we are, make much of Jesus as we do so. And we pray that would be the case as we look one step closer to Stewardship Sunday at the pattern of our giving, that you will receive the glory, and Lord, we would be edified by your grace. Think our thoughts now, Lord. May my words be yours. And Lord, may all that we do give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in this series entitled The Grace of Giving, and we might have remembered from last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that's what Paul encouraged the Corinthian church to do, to participate in this act of grace. What act? Giving. So we're looking at that today, and in last week, just a quick review, we learned from Paul writing these Corinthians, they're just like us Americans, quite frankly, in many, many, many ways. And he pointed out the example of the Macedonian churches who, out of their extreme poverty, were great givers. Why? Because they understood that God owns it all. And we prayed that today as Carol led led us in Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all that is therein. You know, when you start to reframe your mind around the word of God and all that is reality in his world, you realize he owns it all. And because he owns it all, we, like the Macedonian church, no matter where we are, we too can be generous in our time, in our ministry, and in our giving. We also learned from Jesus' example Nobody gave it all as much as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And because he gave it all, it also ought to be reflected in our lives. That we don't buy into keeping up with the Joneses. That we don't buy into having to have the latest granite countertops. Whatever it might be. Granite countertops are not sinful. But you guys get what I mean, right? We don't have to keep up with every, everything material uh, thing that's in vogue it's reflected in our lifestyle and therefore we recognize that we when we receive all that God has given to us in Jesus Christ we simply give back to him that which was his in the first place so it's vital for us to keep these three words if I were to wrap up last week's message you know it's grace gratitude and giving Recognizing the grace that God has extended to us in Jesus Christ. We're grateful people and therefore it's expressed in the way we give of our time, our ministry, and our treasure. So, today we're going to look a little deeper and say what's the pattern for giving based out of 1 Corinthians 16. Now, before we do that, you know, I look at the bubbles that, that come up in people's heads as I'm preaching, I think of the bubbles. You know, what's the natural question that comes up in people's minds when we start to think of our financial giving? Well, obviously the bubble that comes up is, well, Gene, what about the tithe? What, what does that have to do with me today? Well, let's look at that briefly, expanding upon last week a little bit. First of all, we need to mention that there are two different covenants, right? You have the old covenant and the new covenant. And so... Tithing in the old covenant was the pattern. It was the law. It's what God's people were demanded and required to do. And it was the standard of giving in the Old Testament. That's the goal. And you think about it, it kind of makes sense with a less educated population of ancient Israel. 
you know, I wonder, with the less education, yes, they were educated in the Torah, but they didn't get much more than that because it was agricultural society, just like my great-great-grandfather couldn't read, you know? If you look back in your family, I bet you, you have some in yours as well. You know, it's, it's, it's an amazing gift to be able to read. And so, in, in math skills and whatever, we're probably rather crude. So, you know, we have 10 fingers, 10 toes. Counting in tenths was kind of a natural human thing to do. And the Lord gave them that. Now, that's just Gene's theory. You know, I, I can't prove that, you know, about the 10 toes, 10, you know, finger thing. But it kind of makes sense when you think about it. You know, and it worked beautifully in ancient Israel. You're a farmer. And in harvest time, you harvested 10 bushels of grain. You gave one of those bushels to your local synagogue or to the temple. If you were a farmer that had livestock, you had 10 calves, you took them to the market, you saved, you kept one back to give to the synagogue or to the temple. And at the temple or at the synagogue would be some Levites. These were professional people. They couldn't own land. They were forbade to because their lives were given unto the Lord. And the Lord was going to provide for them. And so the Levites took that gift and used it. And they tithed to the priest. So you see what's going on here? You got the professional workers giving to the priests who offered the sacrifices and it worked absolutely beautifully. And God's people flourished. And I'm not making it up. You can read about it in Numbers 18, Leviticus 27. It's there. I'll warn you, it's a rather dry reading. But when you look at the meaning behind it, it's not dry at all. Because God's people are responding out of grateful hearts for what the Lord has done for them. And so everyone was provided for. Unless the people of God became cold. And you saw at times when Israel was in a bad statement that God would rebuke the people of God. Second Chronicles 31. Nehemiah, after he finishes the temple wall, the city walls, he rebuilt all those walls and recognized that the Levites and the priests weren't, you know, they weren't flourishing at all. And so he called the people to make it right, and they did. And the city began to flourish. So that's the first thing. It was the standard in the Old Testament. Well, what about the New Testament? Number two. Well, if you look closely at it, you will find that tithing is not stated as a duty in the New Testament at all. It is literally silent on the matter. It's not there. I encourage you, read your Bible. You won't find it. <laughs> all right? What it, when it talks about the law, especially the civil law, because this is one of the civil laws of the Lord's people, is that Christ fulfilled that. All those civil laws and the ceremonial laws are fulfilled in Christ. Paul writes in Romans 4.4, 4, Likewise, my, brother, you, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. Therefore, we are released from burdensome law-keeping. The motivation has changed merely from command to gratitude. And it's the primary way that we relate to God is out of a heart of gratitude for what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. 
And we do so with wholehearted devotion. It's like the kid coming back from Halloween last weekend. You know, you want, you, you want a Snickers bar? You know, hey, Johnny, give me a Snickers bar. Do you want a kid who says, no? Or do you want a kid who says, sure, Dad, here, I got plenty. That's what the Lord is responding to. He doesn't want to make it a command anymore. He wants to make it out of a heart or the reality of his love for the cross for his people. And Paul calls this in Galatians 6.2, it's the law of Christ. It's no longer the law. It's the law of Christ. And he fulfilled all the Old Testament law. Romans 13.8, he says, the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. That's how we respond to the love of God. We love others. So as we can see, we are turned away from dutiful, legalistic tithing, all right, as the way we relate to God. We relate to God through the person and work of the Christ who empowers us with his Holy Spirit to live full and freeing lives. We should so value our riches in Christ so highly. Our freedom from sin, so highly. Our relationship with Jesus, so highly. Our love for the good news of Jesus, so highly. Why wouldn't we give? You see? For it was the Lord who said it was more blessed to give than to receive. You know, it's like on Christmas morning when you got little kids. You know, it was just my, my sons uh, looked at uh, the PlayStation 2, which is down in my basement now. We got that in 2001 for our kids. And then my boys came downstairs on Christmas morning and they saw Gandalf, you know, slaying orcs on the TV, you know. And just to look at their faces was just a great joy for me as the dad because it was really cool, you know. And they got to play Lord of the Rings, you know. And it, it wasn't overly bloody, but it was just, you know, kind of a cool game for little boys to play. Didn't that make your heart warm? You know, to see your child's or your friend's face light up with something you've given them. That's what the Lord would have for us in response to the cross. In the giving of our time. In the giving of our ministry. In our giving of our finances. Because we're so loved by God through Jesus Christ sacrificially. We're so forgiven. We're so accepted. We're so protected and strengthened and guided by his omnipotent hand. He's given us the free gift of righteousness imputed to us by faith, which was a gift itself to us. He's removed his wrath and he's given us his smile in the presence of Almighty God. He's indwelt us with the power of the Holy Spirit and the fellowship and the friendship of the living Christ and granted us free access to the throne of grace and we will see him as we pray every Lord's Supper we will see him radiant face to face one day we're granted that permission because of Jesus so therefore when we look at our giving and the grace of giving while the New Testament is silent regarding the mandating of the tithe and it is silent the New Testament presupposes that the giving of God's people would be more than equal to that of the Old Covenant. 
Let me repeat that. While the New Testament is silent on regarding the mandating of the tithe, the New Testament presupposes the giving of God's people would be more than equal to that of the Old Testament. And that's all that can be said about it. (laughs) All right? For there are those. Next week is Stewardship Sunday. It's one of my favorite days of the year. We'll have pledge cards for you as you come in. And I'm asking all of us to pray. If you're single, widowed, you pray. If you're, if, you're, if you're married, you pray as families. Lord, what are we to give? And you'll sit down and you'll think about your budget. And you'll talk about it over a cup of coffee. And you'll aim for that tithe. And for some, that's just going to be unreasonable and you can't do it yet. And then there's some who will aim for that tithe and that's, you're not even breathing hard. And you can give more for the glory of God. You see, I'm not looking, nor do I intend to put a weight on your neck and just step on you and say, give, all right? I don't want to do that. And so in looking at Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, he gives the church a pattern of how we give. So I encourage you to look at this passage with me. Um, This is following that glorious chapter 15, obviously, uh, where Paul is talking about the glories of the resurrection. And he busts out into his song in verse 54, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? He's climbing the heights of Christian resurrection theology. And he comes to the very end in verse 58. And he says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. (laughs) That coming out of the heights of the resurrection, he goes right to the saints because everything we do in God's kingdom is not in vain, my friends. We all at times in our lives feel that our prayer life is in vain. That our Bible reading is in vain. That our altar guild duty is in vain. Nobody cares. Children's ministry. You know, ministering in that nursery with snotty-nosed kids. And, and kids with attitudes in Kid Cat. Helping out Kim. Whatever it might be. It's not in vain. Nothing done in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ is in vain according to the word of God. Now concerning the collection of the saints. So let's look at this. What's the pattern of God's people's giving when it comes to our money? Paul talks about this in uh, 1 Corinthians 16. Verse 2. On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. So that's the first point. We give on a regular basis. Now, Paul is commending the church in Corinth at this time on the first day of the week. Well, our our pay structure is a little different in 21st century America than it was in 1st century Corinth. Just, we're regular. Whether it's weekly, bi-weekly, bi-monthly, 
monthly. Whatever it is, let us be regular. And, and also notice it's on the first day of the week. The early church was worshiping on Sundays, which was considered the Lord's Day. Why? Because we celebrate each and every week the reality of our risen Lord. It was very soon after Jesus died that Christians began to worship on Sundays instead of Saturdays. And it was easier in Corinth. But remember who's writing this. This is a Jewish believer in Jesus on the first day of the week. Very interesting. So we should do it regularly, every Sunday, every other Sunday, bi-monthly, every month, whatever it might be. And I miss passing the plates, you know, we're not doing it during COVID. A year from now, we'll get back to it. But during this time, it's been great to have the online giving option, right? For those of us, just making sure we, we get it in. It's getting in. Gary Conway loves it. Just boom, it's there, you know? Great. Just whatever it is, however you do it, give. But I love the plate because it's like an act of worship as it's passed during the offering. That's the first thing. Secondly, it's proportionate and individual. He says, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. In other words... It's individual. I don't expect one person's giving to be the same as the other. Because God needs all his people participating in this. God knows what you earn. So don't compare it to anybody else. Right? That's not the important thing. Yes, we aim for the tithe. Some may be able to meet that. Some may not be able to meet that. And some may be able to give a lot more. Let's all respond to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ as is proportionate. And don't worry about how much John Doe is giving as well. And last, notice it's administered by trusted leadership. Because Paul continues in verse 3, And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. So in other words, it's the vestry of the Corinthian church that's appointed by the people and trusting them. It's like us sending our finance team to go with Paul to take the collection to Jerusalem. That we trust these people. We, we elect godly people who are serving they're here, they're present, they're participating in ministry, participating in growing in their walk with Christ, and they desire to serve the Lord in that way, and our vestry is like that. So well, it's regular, it's proportionate, it's administered by trusted leaders. Well, let's look at another bubble. We had the bubble about the tithe earlier. Well, here's another bubble that goes up in people's minds. Blip. They say, I see those cars you guys drive. I see the nice clothes you wear. Christchurch really doesn't need my money. While I'm sympathetic to that, because I'm one of those who drives, I have a nice truck. You guys know I like my truck, but I don't worship my truck. You know? You know, somebody might lay that on me. 
while I sympathize with that, you're wrong. Um, the first place of our giving all across the scripture is to the local church. Uh, Galatians 6.6, 6, Paul brings this out. And this is a little self-serving, I realize that. But it's in the word of God. Galatians 6.6, 6, look, the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. In other words, our first giving, the proportion, that tithe, that big chunk of our initial giving should go to the local church. And this is why in 1 Timothy, Paul said in verse 5, he said, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Therefore, the church is the first place that the believer gives that's your tithe, or that's your main gift, and then offerings are above and beyond that. And when you give to Christ Church, my friends, it goes for gospel ministry. Let me give you some examples. Number one, when I first arrived at our old location, we had a mission board. We had 24 missionaries that we were all supporting at $100 apiece. And so I brought the missions committee, you know, and I said, hey, do any of you know this person? No. We know this person? No. We know this person? Yeah, we know that person. That's so-and-so's cousin. Right? Does this person communicate with us? No. All right. Do you know this person? Yeah, we all know that person. Okay. So we came with a strategy to increase our giving to three big ministries in our area. Number one, a local mercy ministry such as CRS. So we give to CRS significantly so that needs right here in Avon Lake and Avon can be met. And there are needs, as we heard last week. We also give to the Ministry of Young Life significantly. These, those ministries are reaching students in high school that have no interest in God whatsoever. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, I lost my cool a long time ago, you know, and kids don't listen to me like they used to when I was younger. They know when they're loved, but to keep up with youth culture and to know and that interest is a difficult thing. And Tony Alexander and Alex Myers, who run Lorain County in Cleveland West now, with clubs in Avon Lake, Avon, Bay, and Lakewood, even in the midst of COVID, are reaching kids for the gospel that we could never reach. So that's making an impact for the kingdom. We're, we are supporting Brendan Hall at Allegheny College with Coalition for Christian Outreach and supporting Brendan as he too is reaching Allegheny College students for the gospel. And last but not least, and importantly, and we need to as an Anglican church, support our diocese. Our diocese is kind of messed up, I will admit, and the vestry hears about this about every quarter, how I have frustrations with the diocese, but I think geographical dioceses are still the way to go, and I still think, uh, we all think that we're committed to supporting the diocese, and we're praying for revival, and we're going to elect a new bishop next Saturday, and we're praying that the Holy Spirit just sweeps through the assembly to help guide our votes and use this next bishop that sparks revival. Now, it's not going to be the bishop. It's going to be us. 
but the bishop leading us and holding us accountable, holding our feet to fire. Wouldn't it be great if the Lord just dropped down upon us and all of a sudden this place was full on Sundays and it became so, it kept spreading that we need an Anglican church back in Bay and we stay here in Avon Lake and another church in Avon, another church in Westlake. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Do you think God could do that? Absolutely, he could do that. Well, it ain't gonna happen without a, a wonderful bishop to guide our steps, to support us and to be accountable to him. And both Mark Engel and Lamar, I forget his last name, not Lamar Jackson, but Lamar, uh, they're the two candidates uh, for bishop next Saturday. So I encourage you, dear friends, in giving to Christ Church, we do need your funds. And just give regularly, proportionally, sacrificially, and to an accredited group such as our vestry will be mightily used for the person for the work of the gospel in our midst. And it's a private and personal matter. I'm never going to know what you give. I'm only going to know the bottom line as it should be. But Christ Church does need the support. And therefore, I close with the words of St. Augustine, who said, love God and do what you want. Isn't that great? Love God and do what you want. Why? Because when we love God, if our wanting is under a genuine love for God, our wants change. Our desires change. The least of which is to be responsible in giving with our finances with a concern for the spread of the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful for people like Augustine who, who reminds us of the grace of God because it is an act of grace that we give for the purpose of the gospel here at Christ Church. And we pray, Lord, as we talk about this in our families and, and we share our hearts with you, O oh Lord, throughout this week about what our pledge will be next week. We pray, Lord, that we would be faithful like these Macedonians and the Corinthians, Lord, for the purpose and work of the good news of Jesus throughout this West Shore. And we ask, Lord, you would uh, help us to, to be not just responsible, but to put you to the test. And help you, us to see not only where you're at work, but where you're at work in our giving. So that you be glorified in our midst. And our, we would flourish in the reality of your gospel. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.